A player who was on the Reds' opening day roster this past season was selected by the Dodgers in the minor league Rule 5 draft that took place yesterday. Who it was, who the Reds picked, and some Hall of Fame not-vote-getters are all on tap for today. Thank you for joining me for the Lockdown Reds podcast. Let's get going. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You found the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr, super fan and addict of the Cincinnati Reds. I've turned that addiction into information for you today. We are going to talk about the Rule 5 draft that took place yesterday. It was the minor league version of that since all major league activities are currently halted by the lockout. going to tell you the Reds lost a player and they gained a player. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. We're also going to talk about... The Hall of Fame votes I did not cast and and why I did not cast those votes for those players, all that is coming up today. Welcome into the Lockdown Reds podcast, and thank you for making me your hashtag first listen of the day. We're free and available on all platforms. The Reds selected Ronnie Dawson from the Astros in yesterday's minor league Rule 5 draft. More on him in just a bit, but uh, the the Reds also lost a player yesterday. Carson Fulmer was selected by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the second round of the minor league Rule 5 draft. This is interesting to me because I, I think the biggest thing you can think of when you're talking about Carson Fulmer leaving in such an unceremonious way It is a continued indictment on the fact that garage sale shopping, when it comes to the bullpen, only gets you so far. In fact, Carson Fulmer is a good good example of this. We're talking about a dude who was on the roster for opening day. The Reds thought that they could entrust him with some bullpen innings and with some key situations in which they needed to win some games. And in fact, his first 10 innings, his first nine appearances, 10 innings total, uh, he was living up to that. He only gave up one earned run. In fact, I remember back, and I was trying to pull the MP3 of this, but I couldn't find it. But I remember talking about Carson Fulmer deserving a bigger role. Carson Fulmer deserving more uh, high leverage situations. Fun to think back on some bad takes like that. Dude, after in his 10th appearance, so his first 10 innings pitch, like I mentioned, one earned run allowed total. He was phenomenal, and he didn't allow that many base runners even during those first 10 innings. Then his 10th appearance, everything blew up. He gave up a two-run home run to David Peralta, and the wheels fell way, way off because – In his next 10 appearances that the Reds gave him, his final 10 appearances as a Cincinnati Red, only three of those were clean. Only three of those did he keep the opponents off the scoreboard. In fact, many of them, he gave up multiple runs. It was just not a good thing for him. And and he was part of that whole Spincinnati idea. He was part of the thought process behind Derek Johnson going after guys who were former first round picks, guys who he thought 
He could tap back into their potential and bring the best out of them. The thing of it was the garage sale shopping that this turned out to be, those guys were good for a short period. I mean, some of them were a little bit longer. Like you can look at guys like Heath Embry, who I deemed him as the Reds' best reliever for the first half of this past season. And then the wheels just fell crazy off on him as soon as the all-star break happened. So it was a lot of differing uh, periods of time. But those are the guys that the Reds were like, hey, we don't have to spend money on these guys. I bet they'll be good. And for a moment, they pulled the wool over our eyes. In fact, I also remember a podcast where I sung the praises of Carson Fulmer and I sung the praises of CNL Perez. Yeah, I don't want to go too much further into that. But <laughs> anyway, with Carson Fulmer leaving for the Dodgers, it's just another thing. I mean, maybe it's my fault. I pumped him up too much after the short period of time, which he was good and overall not a very good reliever. But I, I, just, I just think that these flyers that the Reds took on these different bullpen arms that they were hoping that some of them were going to pan out, most of them didn't. And I think that it is very obvious that you've got to invest a little bit more into your bullpen. I'm not saying go out and pay as much as like the Angels are paying for Rysel Iglesias or go out and pay as much as it will take to get like a, a Craig Kimbrell, but invest something. D don't go out and do nothing. Don't go out and find the guys who are bare minimum, league minimum, and say, that's our closer. That's the guy who's going to send us into the promised land. It's not going to work. It didn't work last year. It's not going to work this year either. So when this lockout subsides and when the CBA is brand new again and renewed and ready to go, don't uh, come out of the gate firing with, hey, we just signed so-and-so to a minor league deal, and we just got that guy off waivers, and we just pulled this dude in for the major league minimum, and that's our bullpen. That's how we're going to replace the losses of Michael Lorenzen and Michael Givens, and we're going to continue to place, replace the losses of Rice Iglesias and Archie Bradley. Mm, nope. Not going to work. All right, coming up, uh, the Reds did add a guy. They drafted a guy in the minor league rule five draft. We'll talk about who that is in just a moment. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. It's the only online sports book that I trust. and You should, too. Go there today and set up your profile with the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus and you'll get a bigger bankroll to get going. You can bet on great lines when it comes to the spread, money lines, or over-unders for the NBA, NCAA basketball, the NFL as we're heading into the playoff, uh, heading into the stretch run when it comes to making the playoffs. You've got bowl games coming up for college football. Great time of the year to get your bets in is bowl season, and you can make some cash off your sports knowledge at betonline.ag. Set up your profile again with the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, again, the only online sports book that I trust. You should too. Set up your profile with the promo code locked on to get a 50% welcome bonus because betonline.ag is where the game starts. 
And also, if you're looking to up your comfort game to get some better fitting socks and underwear that's going to make your everyday life that much more pleasant, check out Stance. Founded in 2009, Stance Apparel represents Radical reinvention in socks, underwear, and active apparel. With a sharp focus on comfort, quality, and creativity, Stance brings an atypical aesthetic alongside some of pop culture's hottest collaborations for the ultimate in style and self-expression. Because everything you wear should be a direct extension of who you are and how you feel. Stance has a great collaboration when it comes to Major League Baseball. In fact, one of my favorite pairs of socks, I have a great pair of Joey Votto socks. If you put together your feet, you got Joey Votto in his batting stance, and it's pretty awesome. They are so comfortable. I wear them to just about every other Reds game I go to, unless I go to back-to-back Reds games because nobody wants to smell those feet. But they are so so soft and comfortable. When you talk about socks, you always think of, yeah, just get something on my feet and I'll put my tennis shoes on. But Stance ups that. They take that to the next level and you got to check them out. Go to stance.com and register for an account and get 15% off your first purchase. Use the promo code locked on at checkout to apply. Enjoy the color and comfort of life less ordinary with stance that's stance.com and set up your profile with the promo code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first purchase the amazingly comfortable stance all right thanks again for making locked on reds your hashtag first listen of the day we're free and available wherever you get your podcast tomorrow we're going to talk about some reds players who could be on a career track to making the hall of fame But let's talk about this dude that the Reds just picked up in the minor league rule five draft. They added a little bit of outfield depth with Ronnie Dawson. He's an athletic player who can play all three positions in the outfield very well. He can play right center and left field. He's got a decent amount of pop in his bat. He's not a great hit for contact dude, but he does have some speed on the base paths as well. He was a second round draft picked by the Houston Astros in 2016 and throughout his five years in the Astros organization really hasn't spent that much time. He was, he was up for a couple of games this past season with the Astros in the major leagues. He got one hit in five at bats and he's, he's just been looked at as outfield depth basically for them. And he slots into the reds as a possible option this upcoming season, maybe a bench option for the reds, but overall throughout his uh, minor league career, he's shown he can steal bases. He averages around 14 to 18 a season. His first year he had 35 steals. That was, that was nice to see, but for the most part, Pretty average on the base pass, pretty average with the bat. He tried to trim down his strikeouts this past season, and he did have a career best strikeout rate of 20%, and he does a decent job of drawing walks, so he could be a dude that the Reds could see in the future. If if I had to squint, I could see maybe a comparison to Phil Irvin. Now, I know Phil Irvin was a was a platoon dude. He was pretty solid with Jesse Winker there in left field, a guy that we maybe could have thought see in a future, although now he's just in the minor leagues for the Atlanta Braves. But when I looked at Philip Irvin, I really thought that he had a pretty decent future ahead of him. He has pretty decent plate discipline. Get that, say that right. Plate discipline and some decent speed on the base paths as well. But overall, he just never could quite put it all together. 
And there's a great profile at redsminorleagues.com about Ronnie Dawson. But overall, I, I think that he just kind of slots in as outfield depth. Not a guy that's going to really break, uh, break the bank or anything for the Reds. If they're looking for him to be anything more than just an emergency fifth outfielder, at least for this season, moving on, maybe he's got something more in him, but there's not a ton of upside with this. I mean, obviously the Astros didn't protect him and he was available in the rule five draft. Now, the interesting thing about the minor league version of the rule five draft is that there isn't any sort of restriction. They don't have to keep him at triple a or double a or single a or whatever a in order for him to not be offered back to the team. So he is officially in the Reds organization, period, unless they just end up cutting him or something like that. So with that, he is here. And it got me to looking, I will say this, I was curious as to how he fits in to the outfield rankings. And I don't necessarily know that he jumps into the top, let's see, what's that, top eight? Now maybe he's in the top eight of outfielders currently in system. Well, I rank him like this. Jesse Winker, obviously the Reds' best outfielder in the organization. I don't think that there's much of an argument there. Then it gets interesting. I mean, Tyler Naquin, I think, is number two. Nixon Zell's number three has a shot to be better than that. He just has to be healthy and on the field. Then we'll see what he's got. Then this is where things get intriguing. TJ Friedel, I have as the Reds' fourth best outfielder. I think a lot of it is just intrigue, and I, I want to see more from him. But what little bit I've seen, I've liked. Max Schrock, I have at fifth. I think he's got a lot of pop in his bat. Don't necessarily know about the fielding acumen there, and I think he's more of a utility guy than to consider him an outfielder. But I think his bat is better than Shogo's. That's why I put him ahead of Shogo. Shogo's the best fielder on this list, probably better than Nixon Zell. I don't know. We'd have to see that. But the bat is just too much of a liability in the lineup. I mean, if anything's faster than 95 miles an hour, he can't hit it. And then seventh on this list, I have Aristides Aquino. Look, I love Aquino. He's got the power. He's got the pop, but that's all he's got. He doesn't have contact. He has huge holes in his swing, and every pitcher knows where to throw him. If they throw him a breaking ball low and away or some sort of breaking ball low and in, he's not going to hit it. And if they throw him a fastball up and in, he's not going to hit it, but he's going to swing at all those pitches. So that's something that they have to work on with Aquino if that's anything he's ever going to overcome. Dawson fits in somewhere behind all that. Again, outfield depth when it comes to this minor league rule five pick. I just don't necessarily see the huge upside there. They weren't much more active in the rule five draft, didn't have too many more picks. This wasn't, again, this wasn't the major league version of it. So Ronnie Dawson is in organization. We talked about Carson Fulmer leaving it just a moment ago. But the outfield is going to be an interesting situation for the Reds this year. I I think that they've got a move in them to fill the spot vacated by Nick Castellanos. What that looks like, I'm not really sure. They, they should invest some money in this. They just have shown no propensity to invest any money in anything when it comes to the roster this uh, last offseason and coming into this offseason when you're talking about realigning payroll. So that does not lead me to believe they're going to spend a ton of money. I think that there's options out there. Just don't know exactly what the budget looks like for that. And your current outfield rankings, I mean, Winker, Naquin, and Senzel somewhere in the outfield. That's interesting. 
but definitely weak against left-handed pitching. So how do they combat that? They've got to go get somebody who helps this lineup against the lefty. I don't think that that's Ronnie Dawson. Ronnie Dawson, again, emergency eighth outfielder right now in the rankings. I don't know. We could see that when it comes to injuries. We might see him up later on this season. But that's who the Reds picked in the minor league version of the Rule 5 draft. All right, yesterday, I told you who I'm voting for. Today, I'll highlight some guys that I didn't vote for. That's coming up here in just a moment. Tomorrow, I want to do kind of a fan section for a fan. Um, I, I know that Locked On Mariners calls this their fan fiction Friday, but I want to introduce something to you where you can submit trades to me on, on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three F's or at Locked On Reds and just trade ideas for the Cincinnati Reds, whether it's, you know, trading for Mike Trout or you're trying to figure out a good trade for Luis Castillo or something like that. I want to hear what your take is, kind of like a fan GM segment. Maybe we'll call that that. That'll that'll be something that we do for uh, tomorrow's podcast and be kind of a Friday segment thing that you can get involved with the Lockdown Reds podcast because I want you to feel involved with this because we're just talking about the Reds. We're just having some fun. And I think it'd be fun to see some trade ideas that people have when it comes to what's uh, coming up, hopefully at the end of this lockout and what the Reds can do to either make the team better or make the team better for the future. Whatever it is that you think that they will do, I'd love to hear your trades. And then I'll kind of give it a grade. That's something that Lockdown Mariners does as well. So I'm kind of stealing their idea a little bit. But hey, I think that uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. All right, yesterday I talked about the guys that I voted for in the Hall of Fame, the players who were getting my vote, 10 guys that I voted for. Today, let me tell you about guys that I'm just not voting for at all. It wouldn't be a situation like they just missed my ballot. It's not a situation where I think that had I been able to vote for 11 or 12 guys that I would have voted for any of these. These are guys who just aren't on my ballot for different reasons. Sammy Sosa is one of them. I love Sammy Sosa, and it's not for the fact that he took steroids. I told you about that yesterday. In my opinion, because you took steroids, you should not be exempt from this. I know that some people say, well, steroids uh, gave more longevity to their career, but they still had to perform. Steroids did not make it so that they were good at baseball. Steroids did not make it so that they could hit the ball. Sure, they might be able to hit the ball a little bit farther, but they still had to make contact. I, I just think that steroids should not preclude Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and guys like that from the Hall of Fame. Same with Sammy Sosa. Although I, I love, and I I heard this on Locked on Tigers, our, our host over there, Scott Bentley, he made this point that maybe there should be like a exhibit or something in Cooperstown to Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and the home run race that really kind of saved baseball after that uh, the strike of 94-95. And maybe that should be something that they have in the Hall of Fame. But as far as Sammy Sosa's career is concerned, I don't believe it was Hall of Fame worthy. He was good for a number of years, but I don't think that that was a long enough streak, and I don't think that everything that you put together that you think Sammy Sosa is a Hall of Famer, he's just not going to get my vote. Jeff Kent is another one. He's a solid player. He was never the detriment of his team, but I also never really thought of Jeff Kent as the reason that a team was good. 
I thought he was kind of one of those guys that helped bring stuff together. He was kind of the glue, if you would, of a certain lineup that he would be involved in. But he wasn't the star. He wasn't the guy. And and when I think of like the best second baseman of that era, I don't necessarily think of him as a top two or three second baseman. I, that's just not a guy that I'd vote for. And again, solid player, not a Hall of Famer. Omar Vizquel. He will always be one of my favorite fielders. He will always, I I can think of different plays that he made in my mind. I can close my eyes and think of an Omar Vizquel play, a, a double play that he made for the Indians or something like that. Very easy to do, but his deficiencies as a hitter, definitely can't be overlooked and and you're not going to make excuses and a hall of fame player is not a guy that you make excuses for. And I don't, and you're going to say, well, Jeff, you're making excuses for steroids, but I think performance wise, like if you're looking at what he did on the field and if you say, well, he was a good fielder. And I think that he was such a good fielder that you should overlook the fact that he wasn't a good hitter. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm not going to look at Omar Vizquel and say that his deficiencies at the plate can be overlooked in favor of his glove. I wouldn't vote for Omar Vizquel as a Hall of Famer. And then there's a list of guys who, for one reason or another, they could be in the Hall of Very Good. I know that that's everybody's favorite cliche thing to talk about around Hall of Fame time, but they're not Hall of Fame. They don't have the Hall of Fame credentials. I'm looking at Bobby Abreu. Mark Burley. Mark Burley kind of reminds me of a more level-headed Homer Bailey. And people think of his no-hitter in his perfect game, but overall he was a solid pitcher, just not a Hall of Fame pitcher. Andy Pettit. He's got the playoff stuff, but overall not a Hall of Famer. Torrey Hunter, all nice guy team, not a Hall of Famer. Tim Hudson, he was fine. Mark Teixeira, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau. Prince Fielder. Prince Fielder was one of the easiest guys to root for. I, I never really cared for him playing for other teams against the Reds, but very likable dude when it comes to baseball players. Not a Hall of Famer. Joe Nathan. Tim Lincecum. Tim Lincecum is a good example of a pitcher who is really, really good for a really short period of time. That's not Hall of Fame worthy for me. That's worthy of remembrance, not a guy that I'm going to forget and that wacky delivery that he had, but it's not Hall of Fame worthy. Jonathan Papelbon, I think he was a solid closer. I don't think that he's anywhere near Billy Wagner, and I don't think he's anywhere near the Hall of Fame. A.J. Pierzynski, Ryan Howard, fine. Fine players, just not guys that I would vote for for Cooperstown. And I think when you, when you look at, especially when you look at like Ryan Howard, he was – a very feared hitter. He was the kind of guy that pitchers didn't want to face for a short period of time, but I don't think he did it long enough. And then whenever the drop-off came, the drop-off was so severe that you almost forgot about him immediately. He was a strikeout threat more than he was anything else for his final couple of years of his career. I, I don't look at that as anything that I'm voting for for the Hall of Fame. And I think that the numbers bear that out. You can see the different things that they have at baseballreference.com, talking about Jaws and talking about you know where they rank positionally for their wins above replacement. And a lot of these guys are just really, really far off the pace, like the Ryan Howards and A.J. Pierzynskis and Tim Lincecums, where it's like, yeah, they were pretty solid in most cases, but they weren't 
Hall of Famers. And I just, I, there's not, there's not a year. And, and that's the thing with a lot of like first year on the ballot type players that you will hear writers say like, yeah, I think he's going to get X percentage of votes and stay on the ballot, but he's not a guy that I'm voting for this year. Maybe I'll vote for him next year. I don't look at any of these players that way. These aren't guys that I'd be looking at next year and saying, yeah, I'll vote for this guy. Now there are a couple of dudes who just missed my ballot who I would vote for next year. I'll tell you about them tomorrow as, as well as we'll talk about the fan, uh, I'm going to think of a different name for it because Lockdown Mariners calls it Fan Fiction Friday. I'm not going to call it the same thing they do. But, yeah, and then also talk about some current Reds who may have Hall of Fame careers. We'll talk about all of that on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds podcast, but that'll do it for us here today. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. And uh, thanks for making Lockdown Reds your hashtag first listen. Now make Lockdown Bets your second listen as Lee Sterling and your boy Q give you the information you need to make some cash at betonline.ag. That's Locked On Bets, just like Locked On Reds, free and available wherever you get your podcast. That's going to do it for us. Again, hey, it's the offseason and it's the lockout, but we're Locked On Reds every single day.